Well, welcome everybody to another conversation over coffee with Dee and Tony. Good morning, Tony. How are you going? I'm going well, thanks. Deirdre? <laughs> so, Who yeah. is she? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got no idea. Could I be angry with you at the moment? For calling <laughs> you no, I don't think I, so. I just think there was a phase in my life where I was d- just Deirdre. And when I started work at the University of Adelaide, I did my preferred name as Dee. But there are some people that I don't necessarily see very often or who don't know that. And then it feels like a little bit of a blast from the past when I get called Deirdre. You do that when I'm, you're angry with me. Well, I very rarely would call you Deirdre, <laughs> though, Deirdre. So it's very odd. <laughs> it is a bit strange, isn't it? It feels like name-calling. So that maybe that's a good segue into talking about the name-calling in Parliament this week because what happened was that... Dutton got up in uh, Albanese's face and Albanese told him to sit down and called him a buffhead, which he would not normally do. Albanese is a fairly mild-mannered sort of guy. He obviously got a bit annoyed and people were excited that they sh- that he showed a bit of what they called the mongrel, that he could have a, a, you know, a bit of an attack side to him. I tended to think that it was fairly mild. You know, it wasn't calling him anything else like a rape apologist, but that it was very undignified. I really am not sure why politicians would need to call anyone by a name, even as mild as Buffhead. Mm. Because it, it reminds me of... It just makes me think of children in a playground where they can't control... Well, they can't seem to regulate their behaviour... And, you know, they get so carried away. And I, I really like the idea of a good debate, but why do you have to bring name-calling and stuff into it? Well, because he is a buffet. You're okay with name-calling. Well, I think that uh, name-calling is... a pro- Well, name-calling where there's equal balance, I guess, is kind of, in my view, fine. You know, so if... Two politicians are at each other and they want to call each other buffheads. That's no big deal. But if you're, uh, if the power differential is different, then I think it's abusive. So you know, it's one of those things. But don't you think it's just childish? So even oh, if, it's the all power, childish. if the if the power's <laughs> no, the same, that. like between Dutton and Albanese, it just comes across as childish. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, okay. You don't agree. With, you don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with the, the child. Should, shouldn't we be expecting better from them? Well, of course we should. Because there's no way I would point to Parliament with a group of school children and say, "Hey, behave like that." I'd be expecting better from the school children. Well, as I've often said, it's, it is like watching a bunch of kids in the schoolyard who are. There's a lot of white noise, and no one can make any sense of what anybody else is doing or saying. And they're all screaming and yelling at each other at the same time. <laughs> you know, the poor old Speaker of the House, he's got a tough job looking after this group because they're also, they're also busily testing him out as well because he's new. Yes. So, so that's childish too in a way, isn't it? Testing, oh yeah. Like testing the boundaries, which is what children do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so they haven't really... So they're in many... And I'm talking mostly, I guess, about the men. They're boy men. They haven't really... Is yeah, that me name-calling if I call them boy men? That probably is. That <laughs> probably is. They might even find that offensive. Right. And they might, they might put some sort of civil action against you <laughs> for having made such a <laughs> ludicrous statement. But it is true. They actually do behave like kids. In square. And, and someone uh, made a comment. I think I was, wa- I was watching a bit of uh, Q&A last night. 
Uh, and uh, there was certainly some comments were made about the very subject that we're talking about, is that they act like children, and that the standard within Parliament should be higher. They were actually talking about um, this latest report that has just come out. The Kate Jenkins report. The Kate Jenkins report, report that's right. Yes. <coughs> and uh, I was saying that the standard should... The standard, the standard of politicians should be almost impeccable. It should be the highest possible standard. Absolutely. Because they are the leaders, so to speak. So to speak. Is that a loose They're not my loose leader. Aren't they supposed to be our representatives? I get really confused by that. People say they're our leaders. But aren't they supposed to be representing us? Well, I guess... Not leading us, representing us. No, this. Well, how do you define a leader then? Well, everybody, Deidre is a bit dumbfounded by this, <laughs> doesn't know what to say. Well, there are various models of, of leadership and there's the bully dictated type model of a leader. Of a leader. There's also uh, the idea of the servant leader. So you, you're looking after people rather than telling them what to do. So you might might make the final decisions and keep control of everything, but you're not dictating how things are going to be. And I thought that was the idea of being a representative, is that we're the community are dictating how we want things to be, not being led by these boy men. But mandate well but mandate but leading the country towards mandating vaccinations surely should be about the the um uh, the politicians leading us, so they they have a view as making to where some decisions. Not well, they have a view us. as to where we want to go. I think econ economically and socially and a whole host of other things, climate-wise, they have a view of. So they have to. There'll be a lot of people who would disagree or not even understand their particular position, and then they want to take us to that point. Isn't that what leaders do? They take us to the point that they want to go to. But whether whether I mean often it might not be it might not be good. You know, you could be a fascist leader, for example, and take everybody to this place. Well, then they're not representing us. So where's that conflict then between being the leader, so-called leaders of the country and representing their constituents? What do you mean? Well, I, I don't see the politicians as my leaders. I see them as supposedly representing the community. Yeah, but even so within the community... surely they should be putting ideas towards us, as they did it with that, you know notorious religious discrimination bill. They did actually put that out to the community and get feedback from the community. They didn't just put that legislation in. Mm. They did get feedback from the community about the, what the community wanted and therefore made some changes. But that's what Parliament does do. That's what Parliament does do. I mean so in that case, what's the difference then between them leading us and representing us? Because they don't represent all of us. Do they? So well, they clearly, I more often than not don't feel represented. Oh, really? Does that hurt? No. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it hurt so much as they get annoyed and angry, I suppose? Well, in what way do you think well, they're I guess not representing because, Well, I don't think they represent us. Uh, me, well, if I think about things like climate change, they don't seem to be taking the position of the majority of Australians. So surveys suggest that the majority of Australians want action taken on climate change. But these so-called leaders don't do that. So they're not representing the majority of us. They're representing a small clique in the community, you know, the miners and the, the ones with the money. Yeah, but I suppose they uh, represent... Well, I guess they're representing those... the people that they believe will become the majority 
that will elect them into their office next time. So, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it doesn't necessarily mean that they they believe in what they're advocating. They might be advocating for something which is just going to determine whether or not they've got a job. Get the, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. And I find it very unprincipled. You know, if you're decent at your job and you end up not in Parliament, then surely you should be able to get some other decent sort of job. I, re- I appreciate it's a very precarious position that you hold. But if you can do it well, surely you should be able to get another job. Well, uh, well, well, you. In could. other words, why can't you behave on principle rather than oh, good point. expediency? Good point. Because expediency doesn't necessarily because acting on principle doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be re-elected. Exactly. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. And I appreciate that they are in precarious positions. Because they're going to lose their jo- their threat, you know, their jobs threatened every three years. So I get all of that, but if you're always thinking about I'll do what I do to keep my job instead of do what I do in order to live by my principles, then I don't have much time for people like that, basically. But don't you think though then that uh, people like Pauline Hanson and maybe Craig Kelly, for example. Uh, are doing just that. On their principles. Yeah, they are. So they I get, don't agree. They should with get them. your vote then, shouldn't no. they? Because they're principled people. <laughs> they're principled. Well, yes and no, because I think Pauline Hanson slides around on those principles. So she'll stand up and say to the government, "I'm not going to vote with any of your legislation," which she normally does until you stop the vaccine mandates. And then the next thing she did was vote with the government. So in actual fact. She's principled one minute and, and not the next. So, but maybe maybe also some people aren't all that clear about what their core values are. They and might their not principles. be. I mean, most people. I they should probably before. give you a call and get that sorted. They should. They should because yeah. that's the stuff I do. That we I try and work out for people what their values are and how their behaviour aligns with those values. But I don't think I think I think that some of the politicians. Um, they they oscillate between um, you know what's in the best interest of their Themselves. voters and particularly <laughs> and which one has a priority you know it's it's normally they're voting for or they're seeking re-election because it's good for their back pocket because they like power and authority and very little has to do with what is in the community's best interest you know well it, in that case I don't. I it's a good segue into talking about the Bethany Higgins event uh, when she came forward earlier this year, about nine months ago now, and talked about being raped. She, Bethany, she Bethany Higgins. Bethany Higgins, the staffer in Linda Reynolds' office. No, it's not Bethany Higgins. That's who I'm... Brittany. Brittany Higgins. Brittany, sorry. Brittany, apologies. Well, so apologies, apologies to everybody, Brittany and I'm not Higgins. editing that out, <laughs> so it's going <laughs> to... No, Brittany Higgins. So she came for. So this is where I got really angry, not just because of what had happened to her, but do you remember there was a Four Corners show about the security staff? The secu- a security staff employee came forward on Four Corners. They did a whole story around her, going through the night that Brittany Higgins had said that she was raped. Going through that whole night talking about it and she left this woman undressed in somebody's office, just closed the door so-called for for her. She did nothing to help that woman 
or to stop the alleged rape or anything else, things that I think she could have done, like call her a taxi. And she came forward and said she didn't do that because that wasn't her job and she'd been instructed not to do anything. And therefore, in order to keep her job, she, she was even coming forward because she was worried about being scapegoated and therefore losing her job. And when I had a conversation at work with somebody, they said, but she was doing what she was told, and you know, and her job was at stake. And I don't disagree with that, but I think it's that idea of principle, though. I've never known a worker who goes against their boss <laughs> in some way, shape or form, and why wouldn't you risk your job and do the right thing by another human being? I have, I have no explanation for that. Don't know. Because I think that woman and that security firm were all part of this problem that Kate, that Kate Jenkins has now highlighted with mm. the report. So that report's come down this week. And she said they spoke to 500 people. They did surveys. They also had submissions. And she said they w they w the figures are quite huge. 70%. Like 37% 70%. of people had experienced... Workplace bullying, according to I haven't read her report. I've only read yeah, reports I heard, on I the report. I heard that seventy seventy percent of people said that either experienced it or seen or it or witnessed it. Or witnessed it. So yeah. And if they're not coming forward, and that's part of the culture, that's all part of the problem, as far as I'm concerned. They're complicit in this large problem. And thirty three percent had experienced sexual harassment. Now she reckons the drivers for that's that. A third. That's a third. A third of people. That's a third. Like, There's a horrible workplace to be in. Yeah. And I'm sure it's also very exciting as well. Well, uh, but also, and they did make a point, in long hours, they, you know, they're at work at 6 o'clock, they're working through till 12 o'clock at night. I don't know when they friggin' sleep. I don't know even how healthy that is for a workplace. No, I don't think that's healthy Where you have so many, so many no. people tired at the no. end of the day and exhausted, you know? So maybe they need to change some of those things too. Well, well, the th what she calls the drivers are the power imbalances. And she talked about having 227 essentially bosses running their own little businesses. They're the representatives, uh, the MPs running their own little businesses. So in a sense, I guess they're doing all doing their own thing. So that's, that's, so that's a problem. Power imbalances, gender inequality, which we've known about and been ranting about for years, lack of accountability entitlement and exclusion so they are the drivers and the risk factors are unclear standards of behavior how can standards of behavior <laughs> I, I just find that incredible you know they talk about this as a professional workplace and the, the standards of behavior are, are unclear unbelievable um leadership deficit and we've just been talking about leadership mm. my goodness win at all costs workplace and we see that on the floor i think in uh question time when they behave so badly they're yeah. just trying to win an argument not discuss an argument reasonably at all and then the place of alcohol i think earlier in the year we heard about the place of drugs and that sort of work hard play hard culture are the risk factors but i th i think behind that always that there must be a lot of people complicit if they're witnessing this and they're not talking about it and they're not bringing it forward because Brittany Higgins was applauded for having the courage to bring that forward and talk about it, which means that there's a whole lot of people who've been too gutless mm. to do so. And I think that infuriates me. That's unprincipled people or people not living in accord to, with their principles and therefore exacerbating a terrible problem.
Well, what happens there? Do people not have a clear understanding of their own values or do they just acquiesce to the values of the culture? They don't want to lose their jobs, basically, probably. Well, that's a value conflict in itself, It is it? a value conflict. And I get that. It's not that I'm not sympathetic to not wanting to lose your job, and I get that. And we've talked about that before, uh, you know, when you were talking about being bullied yourself. Do you speak out about that and lose your job because you will lose or, your job? Good point. Or in in my case, do you, do you speak out about it and then wind up before a committee that want to berate you? Well, that's going to so happen in Parliament House. I can absolutely assure you it will. You know, it's a bit like that story I think we talked about last week where that 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 woman got up and, you know, Liberal Party decided to speak against the... Uh, wanted to debate the ICAC thing. And, uh, and, you know, there was that picture of Dutton standing over her... Frydenberg. Uh, sorry, Frydenberg. What is, what's the difference? <laughs> They're both bald I think, morons. I think Frydenberg might be a little bit nicer. Do you think so? Yeah, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, a bald guy stood over <laughs> <laughs> and uh, berated her and uh, then she goes off and has this meeting which was a gross imbalance of power with, uh, you know, Kelly, what's her name... Um, Maurice Payne uh, was there. Maurice I think Payne, last, that's right. last week you said that she was the lying cow woman. That's actually Linda Edwards. Reynolds, Reynolds, Reynolds. Reynolds, Reynolds I get all their, muddled, right. their names muddled up. Yeah, so. Um, and that's the sort of attitude that wouldn't just be present but in don't Parliament they think, House. But why, why wouldn't anybody who has a reasonable sense of uh, balance of power, the differentiate between someone that's hurt and wanting to talk about their issues and that sort of stuff? You know, like in my mind, when when you know, one of the things I try and do when we do some department of child protection meetings, for example, is to ensure that there is balance because you know I'm there with somebody else, whatever. And part of that reason is because we need to equal because the department will often have two or three other people sitting there, so <coughs> it does equal it out. Um, but why why wouldn't why wouldn't people just think that you know? A, a sad, uh, affected person is going to be vulnerable in that circumstance, particularly if there's a few other people that are, have superior positions to them standing over them trying to advocate for their point of view. You know, there's, there seems to be a lack of understanding for me of the dynamics that sit within meetings whereby uh, the power differential is so, so severe. You know, it's a bit like uh, Brittany Higgins being brought in to talk to the, the Prime Minister. You know, the question was, was she on her own when she did that? And, you know, he didn't seem to relate to her very well either, even though he says he did. Um, you know, so why aren't we more conscious of this sort of dynamic within the workplace? What makes you think they're not conscious of it and deliberately use it to intimidate? Well, because I expect... No, I don't. I lied. You shouldn't expect that. You shouldn't expect that of them. You shouldn't expect that. Bad move, Tony. I'm sure they actually do know and use it quite deliberately to intimidate and shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they need to be called out for it. Absolutely. Or people need to be able to say, I'm not going to go to this meeting unless there's some sort of represent... I'm with somebody else who can witness it, note it, whatever, go to the media afterwards, hopefully. Um, But... Yeah, I think people. I think the onus, though, the onus, though, I think is on on the people, the people that are aggrieved. It's the onus is also on them I know. to ensure that there is there is a balance and to make a stand. You know, because 
part of the you know, there needs to be pushed back against this crap. Uh, there does, and it's not like we're talking about children. We are talking about adults yep. who are representing constituencies. So aren't they people that we expect to be able to stand up for and on behalf of large groups of people? Yeah. So if they can't even stand up for themselves, what does that even say about the system? Well, they're, they're pretty. Well, it says that they're pretty ineffectual politicians, actually, as well. So I'm not. Ha so it sounds like we're having a go at. And the, I don't want to do that. But um, but you're right. Why don't people make that as adults make that stand? That woman whose name I've forgotten uh, could have said, "I'm too distressed at the moment, Prime Minister. Bugger off." Yes. I'll come to you when I'm when I want to talk about it, not when it fits with you. Yes, that's Bridget so Archer, and I don't want to have a go at her. But why don't at we all? make the question? It's an overall question. Why don't we make those decisions? As as what prevents us from making those decisions? Yes, because in actual fact, she's not going to get fired, is she? Because no. the people who are going to fire her, her her constituency, who are probably very proud of her actually, for standing up to it's the big bullet. It's going to enhance her position. To do that. Yes, it's going to improve her but position it, to get reelected. But she might have been in a state of shock. There is stories around that she has her own trauma from her childhood, so it could be that she was triggered. But then why wouldn't you take a deep breath and say, now is not the time? Well, that's right. That's right. She did come out, at least, to Samantha Maiden of News and talk about that, which I think was fabulous. Maybe that was her standing up. Perhaps in the moment she couldn't because she was too overwhelmed. Why don't people realise then that the more that they make a stand against this stuff... The more it'll works fucking well. stop. Well, not only that, it works well with the public. It does. Firstly, it We gets, admire it puts, that. So who would have known who this woman was beforehand? You know, nobody, apart from some people in her electorate, I guess, and the Liberal Party. But, but now, a lot of people may know who she is because she made yes. that stand, you know, who would have who would have known who Brittany Higgins was, until she made a stand against what happened to her. Well, she's a staffer, so we wouldn't expect anybody to know well, that's her right. really. But now we now but her now we do, and she's admired. Apart from the being point called is she's admired, and Grace Tamer's admired Grace, because absolutely. she comes out not only because she's an Australian of the Year, but because she comes out and she challenges Scott Morrison. I guess because it's only a 12-month appointment, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> she well, challenges the her, him no, all the time. But it's the rest of her life, you know, and the fact that she will be remembered for the, for the stance she's made against Morrison and the government in general and about the issues with regard to sexual assault. So... Um, so her her niche in society has oh, been has absolutely been established. Yeah, absolutely. Because absolutely. she stood up to the so what isn't that a the lesson country? then that a lot of people could have? I think it have. is a lesson. Yes. You yes. Know, make a stand. Don't walk away from it. Yes. You know, you don't have to be. I don't think any of those women have been aggressive. Not. A, I admire the women, and as I said, it could take time. So if we then think about the Iron Touch story. And in November last year, there was a Four Corners expose of Alan Tudge having an affair. And it was apparently an, um, and a consensual affair with his staffer. And I'm not sure if it's Rachel or Rochelle Miller. M Miller, I'm sure of. Um, and so it was a consensual relationship. She did talk about that with Four Corners. What she talked about in response to the Kate Jenkins report was how abusive Alan Tudge was in that consensual relationship. So the fact that they were consenting adults is one thing, 
that's okay. The fact that he was abusive and even kicked her apparently out of bed, so physically abusive as well as verbally abusive on several occasions. So she's now come out and added more to her story. She did say she couldn't talk about that initially. She was too unwell to talk about that. Was That was kind of a Unwell step. as emotionally unwell, I think so. I think yeah. so. Uh, that's not really clear. But I guess that goes to the point that we need to support the women in telling their stories. Yep. Um, but, but that's two staffers. They're not even MPs. They're, they're not representing large bodies of people. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think we should have the same expectations of them as I would of a member of parliament. You've raised, raised an interesting point. So at what point do we have... Other politicians, apart from the abusive stuff they do during question time, you're a buffhead, Dutton. But um, what, what, on what occasions do you find politicians speaking up against the way that they're being bullied by other politicians? So, you know, a politician who's a backbencher, for example. In what way have they been bullied by? senior politicians, um, shadow ministers, ministers, whatever the case might be. How often do we have them standing up against their own colleagues? It's rare. There was the woman Banks. Is it Anna Banks, Anne Banks, Jane Banks? Can't remember. She ended up leaving and becoming an independent, I think, and standing up and talking about that. And again, the strategies that they use of, oh, is she okay? You know, as if there's something wrong with her. Not yeah, that there's something wrong with any of them. Hysterical woman. The hysterical, hysterical woman. woman. Maybe sorry. we should find terminology for buffed men. Boy men. Boy men, buffed men. Unregulated uh, un men. Yeah, lack of emotion, emotionless men. Well, I don't think they are emotionless. I think their emotions run away with them. And they have, Look, if you think about that, Tudge wakes up, it's an early morning call, and he's kicking a woman, assume I believe her, um, He's kicking a woman. Now, what does that say? But he's furious and he cannot control his emotions or his behaviour. Mm. He can't regulate his behaviour around his emotions at the time. It's not like he doesn't have emotions. That was fury. Well, I'm not suggesting that they... I, well, I know very well that these people aren't lacking emotions, but they are unable to... Um, Channel them effectively. Well, you can. Have, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You can have all those emotions. You can be angry, but it doesn't mean you have to be abusive. No, right? that's right. That's the point. So, so it's very, it's very telling. I did hear uh, Tanya Plibersek talk on the radio briefly this week in response to the Ch Kate Jenkins report, and she did say she's very disappointed that after her, she's got twenty three years in Parliament. Is that right? Something so she's like the longest serving female representative. She said she was disappointed that she hasn't been able to make Parliament better. And I have to say, I feel angry with all of the women in Parliament who haven't. The women in power, not the staffers, they don't have the power, but the, the politicians, the women politicians who've not been ganging up on these men. Mm. I feel angry with them. What have they been doing? Are they complicit in this rotten system? I think when you... Yeah, this is an interesting discussion, isn't it? Because if you start to criticise the women... I know, I'm blaming them. I'm not blaming, blaming them. them. But that, what I'm suggesting is that they're complicit. These are not powerless women. These yep. are powerful women. What have they been doing? Well, it's like that, uh, that show they did um, 
that uh, Annabelle Crabb did. I know, I saw that. You know, and that uh, there are a whole host of women who were admitting, <laughs> uh, Bishop and others, that they... They went uh, along with it. They, uh, they, they, were, they yeah. didn't say the word complicit, <laughs> but they were going along with it, particularly if I think about... Bronwyn Bishop and some of the other liberal women who were going to say, well, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be tough and I'm going to do my no, job. No, they, the, they took on the male characteristics of the environment in which they, they were did. working. So they, were they did not redefine not. that environment according to their own values. You know, Unless and they were their values. Well, They yeah, certainly were not supportive of women, some of the liberal women I'm talking about. No, they about. weren't. No. no, not at all. Not at all, but they could have been. But they could have been. They could have done things differently. So I feel angry. So why didn't they? Why didn't they stand up for other women? Probably because they're looking for their uh, for their own jobs. It, could that be it? I don't know. I, I, it would probably be unfair to speculate. But were they looking after their own jobs? Yes, yes, and they, therefore they had to they go had to along. comply and go along. So the, so and forget about gender. Forget about gender. For, forget about gender for a moment. So if you're in an environment where there is a power differential and there is abuse occurring, then regardless of gender, you should be making a stand against it. So I don't think... So they they chose not to make a stand for all the reasons that men, that men would also choose not to make a stand. stand. Yes. So it makes no difference. It's not a gender so issue in that sense. Not in that. It's a power issue. It's a power issue. It's Absolutely. A, it's always a selfish a power. issue. It's always a power issue. They're looking after their own jobs. Yes. Really, so uh, and and I guess I was annoyed that those politicians that Annabel Crabb spoke to w- didn't speak out until a staffer spoke out. Mm. So the most powerful women in Parliament in the country didn't speak out until a, a less powerful woman did. So they just who risked I think they her job, gender, lost her job. I'm just going to say it again. Gender aside, they all did the wrong thing. I think they did. Yes, and I'm so very angry about it. I yeah. expected you better. Are you angry because they're women or are you angry because they didn't do anything? I am angry because they didn't do anything, but also because some of them are feminists. Some identify as feminists. Oh, like who? Like, uh, like Penny Wong. Like Tammy oh, Penny Kubisek. Wong. Yeah, good one. Yep. Good. So, so Labor where, are people? The, where are the feminists in there? Not the liberal women I've come to expect not much of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. But I expect the feminist women, and some will be on, there might be some feminists on the liberal side anyway, but I expect better from them to stand up, to get together, to work together, to improve things for women. And And clearly that hasn't happened. And women would... Women... um, Women in the country would would absolutely support them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And women would would receive, you know, that, that, that glass ceiling is pretty low. For them, I think that they they had more that, and admittedly they had more to contend with, I guess, because they're women. I don't disagree with that, you know? not at all. But but isn't that a isn't that a more in, isn't that a greater incentive to fight to against it when you this change this environment? It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have thought yeah. so. I would because it's a hideous. And remembering there are less of them. And I don't disagree well. with any of so that. that so they would need to be working together and working with members they of did the have media. A group, apparently they did have a group of women that from both sides of politics issues, yes. that were fighting against some of these On particular behaviors. issues. But what about if the issue was the culture of Parliament House? Mm-hmm. They could have worked together to change they that. They could have. And they haven't. No. So they and failed. so in the meantime we end up with a young woman, Rach, lost her job, 
and she's the one who has brought this to a head. And what what sort of scorecard would you give these women out of ten for? I mean, or, or, you know, from an academic point of view, would you give them an F? <laughs> if I was marking, marking this as an exam paper or as an essay, um, well, I'm sure that they would tell me all of the reasons why they couldn't, and I don't necessarily disagree. They're, you know, they're few in number, etc. But I still come and think if the most powerful women in the country don't speak out on these issues until a far less powerful woman is harmed then there is something wrong in that system, even around the women. Yeah. So F, they failed. I think, they, yeah, I think everybody in the whole system fails. I think they've all failed. Except for the Brittany Higgins exactly. of this world. And exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I wonder whether at some point there'll be more people disclosing now that this report has come out more about the that types u- of That abuses. is usually what happens once somebody does take that risk, usually then the floodgates, as you say, yeah. do open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then it becomes, uh, it'd be a media frenzy. When Well, when what is that? well that's my other question. It's not like the media wouldn't have known this. No, media's media's so not. They're in it you hear too. people, you hear people, um, you thank hear the media. Lu- Louise Mi- thank goodness for Louise Milligan and Samantha Maiden yeah, and a yeah, few yeah. other well, women. Samantha's come out recently and talked about it. But the point is, they have known. Like they have talk known about, about it this for years. And they, so that so raises. So they are part of the problem. Yeah, and that raises another interesting question: is to if they have known of this problem for as long as they have. Why have they not reported it? Yeah, they're, pl- they're, they're complicit. And again, I get that that will be conflicts with their bosses, conflicts with jobs, you know, the internal conflicts and everything. But, you know, it takes... I mean, and good on Four Corners if they hadn't... I think somebody said that Four Corners was, was the beginning of all of this. And you, I guess it begs the question of whether even Brittany Higgins would have come forward without that Four Corners expose. I don't know. But, yeah, they're all part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're very much so. Now, we've been at it for a while. We should stop. We oh. St- oh, we've got... There are some other issues that no, you... No, no, no. The only thing that I wanted to say was that Alan Tudge has um, resigned... Stood aside while there's an inquiry. That's different behaviour on the part of the Prime Minister this time because there were no inquiries when uh, Christian Porter was accused of Mm, rape, mm, historical mm, rape. mm. No inquiries. He stood by his man, did all of that. I wonder whether Scott Morrison's finally learnt a lesson that that's not good behaviour and he's stood Alan Tudge aside for the time being while there is an independent inquiry. Well, I think there's such a, a, a groundswell now uh, around these behaviours that basically whether he agrees with it or not, he probably doesn't agree with it, wouldn't have agreed with it in the past, but he has to now because there's so much <coughs> groundswell happening that he has to act because he just looked bad. He and looks let's so face bad. It, every day he looks bad. <laughs> he does look bad. He looks atrocious. He does. Okay, look, thanks everybody for being a part of Conversations Over Coffee with Dee and Tony and we look forward to catching up with you next time. Please, no matter what, <coughs> where, you're, where you're listening to this podcast, please follow us. Take care, everybody. Look after yourselves and be safe.